0: and reggie's cosmic treadmill episode number 125 when we go back, back to, to the, the past, past and read a comic book from the yes year of publishing you can find us every sunday on chris and reggie.podbean.com or subscribe to us via itunes stitcher podbean google play iheart radio spotify and by tuning walk talkie walkie into the proper dimensional frequency What have we got for him today, Chris?
1: (laughs) We're going to be taking a look at Black Hammer number one, cover dated July 2016. Script by Jeff Lamia. Cover and interior art by Dean Ormston and Dave Stewart. uh, led by Todd Klein. Publisher Mike Richardson. Edited by Brendan White and Daniel Chabon. Chabon, uh, Assistant editors Ian Tucker and Cardiner Clark. Designs Rick DeLuco, Digital Art Technician Christina McKenzie And this came out through Dark Wars Comics With a $3.99 cover price
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to jump right into uh, the bios as usual We have Jeff Lemire was born March 21st, 1976 In Essex County, Ontario in Canada He lived in a small farming community near Lake St. Clair Uh, When he was just 10, Jeff hammered a plank of wood between two branches High up in the maple tree outside of the family's barn And here, he'd sit and read comic books for hours at a time For years on end Posing for Norman Rockwell painting after Norman Rockwell (laughs) Uh, Jeff attended film school, but he chose to pursue comics to suit his more solitary personality After self-publishing the Zarek award-winning comic book Lost Dogs in 2005 Via his ashtray press imprint Lemire found a home at Top Shelf Productions. And the Zeric Award, which is the X E R I C Award, is mm-hmm. a publishing grant given to independent comics creators co founded by Peter Laird. You might know him as the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fella. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. one half of the, One half of them guys. <laughs> So in 2006, Lemire's work was included in the Comics Craze exhibit at the Banff Center in Alberta, Canada. Lemire wrote and illustrated the Eisner and Harvey Award nominated Essex County for Top Shelf in 2008 to 2009. This is uh, in the shape of three short stories that were in uh, prestige formats. Their Tales from the Farm came out 2008. Ghost Stories, also 2008, and The Country Nurse, in 2008. These stories portray a variety of characters in rural Canada that uh, I'm going to guess based on his childhood, Chris? What do you think? Very likely. Very likely. Considering it's called Essex County, and that's where he's from. There's probably probably a connection there. Uh, the trilogy was collected in two thousand and eleven with two new stories included. That was the Essex County Boxing Club and the Sad and Lonely Life of Eddie Elephant Ears. Uh, the collection won the Alex Award, the Doug Wright Award, and the Joe Schuster Award. It was also a two thousand and eleven selection for Canada Reads: The Essential Canadian Novels of the Decade.
1: The next year, in 2012, Lemire would uh, release the original graphic novel, The Underwater Welder, again through Top Shelf. Jump back a few years, 2009, uh, Vertigo, through DC, published The Nobody, that was written and drawn by Lemire. And it's a retelling of H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man in a uh, two-color, bleak, modern setting. He wrote and drew the Vertigo series Sweet Tooth, that ran 40 issues, cover dated September 2009 through January 2013. It's a story about uh, a kid with antlers and uh, chocolate on his face. A lot. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to say that was the first Lemire work I've ever read, and uh, I thought it was pretty great.
0: It was. It was the first one I read too. Yeah, I got. Mm. I remember it really kind of drew me in over like six issues, and I was I was hooked.
1: It was really, 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 really good stuff. Uh, in December of 2010, Lemire signed an exclusivity contract with DC Comics. He relaunched Superboy. This is Volume Five. Ran only eleven issues from January through October 2011. Cover dates because of a certain toilet being flushed. <laughs> uh, he also wrote Brightest Day, the Brightest Day Adam one-shot. That was September 2010 cover date with uh, Mahmud Azrar, uh, which was supposed to, to springboard into a mini-series. Except as we mentioned, uh, the New 52 happened, uh, and as part of that, that he wrote the ongoing series animal man that was volume two of that series 29 and Two annuals, cover dates November 2011 through May 2014. He also did Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. That was 17 issues, November 2011 through March 2013 cover dates. He would also write the Frankenstein and the Creatures of the Unknowns book. It was a three-issue miniseries that ran during the Flashpoint event that took place just before the New 52.
0: Sort of a sort of a prequel to his Agents of Shade. A precursor, yeah. Which, by the way, I love. I love the Agents of Shade book, but that's that's a little Reggie uh, editorial there for you.
1: I, I love the Superboy, that was Well, all uh, right. We, was, we love everything. That was <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, Jeff's run on Animal Man, Animal Man would cross over with Scott Snyder's run on Swamp Thing, and they had a story called Rot World that expanded the mythology of both properties, uh, the green and the red and all that right. stuff. Uh, Lemire took over the writing uh, duties on Justice League Dark with issue number 9. That was cover dated July 2012, and he would stay on until issue 23, October 2013
0: cover date. Yeah, I think he, he dipped right before that villain The uh, Forever Evil, yeah Yeah, all that stuff Uh, In 2013, Lemire replaced Anne Nocenti as writer of Green Arrow With issue number 17 At an April 2013 cover date His work on the title, along with the artwork Of Andrea Sorrentino, was widely praised By critics and fans And the two stayed on until issue number 34 with an October 2014 cover date In that year, Lemire joined a team of writers Composed of Brian Azzarello, Keith Giffen, and Dan Jurgens To co-write The New 52, colon, Future's End A new weekly series set five years into The New 52's future It ran from May 2014 through April 2015 After his exclusivity contract with DC came to an end Lemire began working with other publishers At the 2014 New York Comic Con, it was announced that Lemire would be writing all-new Hawkeye, his first Marvel Comics title with artist Ramon Perez, and that ran from May through November 2015 cover dates. It was relaunched with a volume two at this point as part of Marvel's all-new, all-different initiative, and then that volume ran six issues. The final issue was June 2016 cover date, though he did write the original graphic novel, Teen Titans Earth 1 for DC Comics with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. That was published November 2014, so a little overlap there between DC and Marvel as he did a transition.
1: Yeah, and I think, there's a, I think there were two volumes of that Earth
0: there were. There was eventually another yeah. one. I, I think by now he's not exclusive. Well, not exclusive. You know, we'll find out. He's, he does more or less what he wants these days, and he seems to have earned that right to this point, but... Uh, So, in April 2015, Jeff signed an exclusivity contract with Marvel Comics, which, like DC's contract before, only excluded him from working with DC Comics, (laughs) and not from doing work with Image, Dark Horse, Valiant, etc., which is true. I don't think I've ever seen an exclusive contract that didn't you can allow. do it. The Indies. You can do yeah. the Indies. It's it's only to keep you from the from the other guy. Uh, with Marvel's all new, all different thing, Jeff picked up more books. There was extraordinary, extraordinary X Men that ran twenty issues, cover dates January twenty sixteen to May twenty seventeen, with artist Humberto Ramos. And old man Logan that ran for fifty issues, March twenty sixteen to December twenty eighteen, cover dates with and with artist Andrea Sorrentino, his uh, Green Arrow uh, buddy. And Moon Knight, that was Volume 8, 14 issues, June 2016 to July 2017, with art by newcomer Greg Smallwood.
1: Also in 2014, Jeff co-wrote, along with Matt Kint, The uh, Valiant. Uh, That was four issues, December 2014 through March 2015 cover dates, with art by Paolo Rivera, and that came out through Valiant Comics. Uh, This would lay the foundation for the Valiant Comics universe going forward, and uh, brought together all available characters for that event. Now, spinning out of The Valiant, uh, Lemire wrote uh, the ongoing series Bloodshot Reborn that ran 19 issues plus two one-shots and an annual plus a four-issue spinoff miniseries. Cover dates April 2015 through March 2017 with art by Miko Swyan. Swyan, All
0: right, Looks good. That sure. was pretty good. That's
1: nice one. <laughs> yeah. uh, the second and third story arcs of the run were drawn by Butch Geis and Luis La Rosa, respectively. Uh, Lemire and Dustin... Hmm. New Yen, New Yen.
0: All right. Yes.
1: Dustin New Yen. Yeah. Well, they launched *Descend*, the *Descender* in um, March 2015 through Image Comics. That's a science fiction space story about a kid trying to find himself. That would run for 32 issues and ended with a July 2018 cover date. In uh, July 2014, Dark Horse Comics announced a new creator-owned superhero series written by Lemire with art by Dean Ormston, titled. Black Hammer! Hey! That's, uh, that's set to be released in March 2015. In April 2015, however, Lemire stated that the series had been delayed indefinitely due to a cerebral hem- hemorrhage suffered by Ormston. Uh, in February 2016, it was announced that the series would be launching in July of that same year, and that would be the very issue we're going to be reading
0: Today. All right, we're finally going to get to it, but first we're going to hear about the uh, folk fella across the table, that's Dean Ormston. He was born 1961 in Yorkshire, England, and he earned a degree in art and illustration at Leeds University during the mid-1980s. During the latter half of the 1980s, Orbson played the drums in various bands. Uh, These bands were The Silent Scream, The Second Coming, and This Colossal Youth. Uh, You can actually buy records of the first two bands with him playing drums on them. How about that? Uh, Dean also worked part-time in a Sheffield comic book shop with fellow budding artist Nick Percival, Greg Staples, and filmmaker Lee Ford. In 1990, he moved into working full-time as an artist, mainly for Judge Dredd magazine. He drew part of the Kindly One story arc in the Sandman series, although I could not find what he drew to save my life. Hmm. Uh, but later he would draw for Sandman Mystery Theater and Sandman spinoffs, The Girl Who Would Be Death and Lucifer. His work can also be seen in Predator comics and Capt- uh, Captive and Hell Comes a walk for Dark Horse. Those are the two Predator series from 1998 And he also drew books of magic Colin life during wartime That was 15 issues September 2004 to December 2005 Cover dates Dean had a brief stint as a character designer For Vancouver based mainframe animation Where he co-created Dots Bots With writer Steve Siegel in 1999 A 13-episode series was proposed, but only a 30-minute pilot episode created. His character design of Damon for the computer animated series Reboot, for which Dan DiDio was a story editor, can be seen in the TV movie Damon Rising, made in 2001. Or Demon Rising, however you like to say that. Either one is okay with me. And now, he's the co-creator of Black Hammer, and artist of the issue we're about to read.
1: But first, what was that thing about his cerebral hemorrhage?
0: Yeah, he got over that real quickly. What happened there? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, in a snippet of an interview with Dark Horse editor Daniel Chabon, the uh, website CourtOfNerds.com would reveal, Black Hammer began in 2007 when Jeff was working on Essex County at Top Shelf. This was before Jeff started to work with mainstream superheroes at Marvel and DC, and he was not sure if he'd ever get to work on those characters. So he decided to create his own versions that pushed his interest in stories about family and small-town life. Jeff initially pitched the project to former Dark Horse editor Diana Schultz and it was accepted. This was this was to be Jeff's next project after Essex County, but Jeff also had Sweet Tooth kicking around in its in his head at the same time and shifted over to draw 40 issues of that at Vertigo. Come 2014, Jeff returned to Black Hammer. Diana had retired from Dark Horse and Brendan Wright had taken over as editor. Jeff knew he would not be able to draw the book with his busy schedule He'd been following Dean Ormston's work for years And met him for the first time at the Thought Bubble Comic Festival in 2011 When Jeff finally wanted to bring back Black Hammer back He brought Dean, who was really a perfect fit for the story His unique art style pushes the book to really stand out Among all the other titles that feature superheroes Dave Stewart was brought in for colors and Todd Klein for letters. And at that point, you had this amazing rock star ensemble of comic book creators.
0: Chabon continues, then came another challenge. After the book was announced and the first issue had been drawn, Dean suffered a brain hemorrhage and became paralyzed on his right side, the side that included his drawing hand. The series was delayed and it was unknown whether or not Dean was going to be able to recover. Time went by. Brendan left Dark Horse to pursue freelance editing, and I was assigned this book. It had been several months since Dean had the hemorrhage, and he had been going through rehab. After some time, Dean appeared to be getting better and was starting to draw a black hammer again. After getting a good portion of the art in for subsequent issues, we built a release schedule that gave Dean some breathing room so he would be able to get the book out. Now Dean seems to be doing a lot better. Which is great news, I say. Mm -hmm. And now, on to the very book we've been talking about.
1: Black Hammer Number One. Now the cover looks like this is a this might just be a horror comic book. Yeah. Uh, we got four figures in shadow standing at a tree line of a barren forest. One of them has a transparent bubble type helmet. Another looks like he spent a little too long in the bathtub.
0: Very wrinkled up, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the foreground, a little girl with white eyes hovers about a foot above the ground, while a decrepit old man scrambles along the ground for a sledgehammer. A black hammer. Uh well no it uh it looks more brown I think actually I think you're right I yeah think you're right.
1: now on the inside cover are the credits as already mentioned uh and some art of a superhero hoisting a boulder above his head he's got a blue costume and an. Son is, just, but uh, it ain't who you think. Uh, he's also got a cowl with fins sticking out on the side and along the top. Uh, we get a little backstory provided in a caption that reads
0: They were the greatest heroes of a lost era golden age crime buster Abraham Slam, interstellar adventurer Colonel Weird, and his robot sidekick Talkie Walkie, Barbellion. Barbalion, Warlord from Mars, Golden Gale, America's Super Sweetheart, Madame Dragonfly, Mistress of the Macabre, and Black Hammer, the invincible champion of the streets. But the age of heroes has passed.
1: Our first page is a nine-panel grid. In it, an older man tends to some normal farm chores, you know, like feeding the pigs, milking the cows, spreading new hay, doing all the good stuff.
0: I assume that's what they do. I mean, I've never actually done farm chores, but look... I've look, never worked on a farm. Looks no. right to no. me, look correct. Uh, <laughs> on this farm is a large water tower, and black hammer is painted crudely on its face.
1: Yes, this is Abraham Slam, and he says... Uh, Well, to tell the truth, you get used to the place I never thought I'd say that, but it's true Ten years today since we arrived Ten years Seems like only yesterday, but time flies And the older you get, the faster it goes Clichés, I know But goddamn, if they aren't true A cow says (laughs) You said it. Now, I say I got used to this place, but the truth is, it didn't take much. This may sound weird, since I grew up in the city, but from the first moment we set foot on this farm, I felt like I'd come home. There's just something about the air here. Seems so familiar. So right to me. As a kid, I always wished I lived in the country. Never thought it would happen. But life is a funny way of throwing you a curveball when you least expect it. (laughs) See? Another cliché.
0: This man grabs a pitchfork to move some hay around and continues speaking aloud to no one or a cow.
1: (laughs) To the cow. I grew up in the East End. Rough part of town. Hell, made me who I am. But I used to think I'd trade it all for just a little bit of quiet.
0: A bit of space. A wide panel shows us a large, weathered farmhouse three stories with a wraparound porch. A silhouette of a man is shown walking from the barn to the house. The water tower is off behind the barn.
1: Well, now I got it in spades. And despite everything that happened, despite everything we went through coming here, most days I wouldn't change it
0: for the world. A young girl sits on the front steps of the farmhouse, wearing a hooded sweatshirt with the hood up and some red fla- framed sunglasses. Looks like she's brooding to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a man walks on. The man walks onto the porch, takes his hat off, and leans over the railing. Morning, Gail. Abraham
1: didn't hear you come
0: in last night. So? So did you even come home last night? Gail lowers her sunglasses.
1: Yeah, it looks like she applied more than a little bit of eyeshadow.
0: What's it to you what I do, Abe? It
1: matters to all of us what you do, Gail. You know that. Speaking of which, you're wearing too
0: much makeup for a girl your age. So Gail lights a cigarette and says, Fork off, Abe. And you shouldn't be smoking. And then Gail takes off and flies away far far from the house <laughs> and says, I said, fork off, Abe. Abraham stands on the
1: porch and watches as Gail flies away.
0: Uh, she's moving at a pretty good clip, I gotta say. It's like.
1: <laughs> it's just... <laughs> she's good, yeah. yeah. So you have to do this today,
0: Gail? Today, of all days? <sighs> uh, Abraham opens the front door to the farmhouse. It's dark inside, looks pretty beaten up in there. The door gives a little creak upon opening. Boy, something smells good. A mechanical voice comes from off panel and says Just take those muddy boots off before you come in this kitchen I am, I am And he does, he didn't lie about that How about that? <laughs> Abraham enters the kitchen Which is a pretty humble, reasonably clean uh, place And full of uh, people, I guess a, uh, a red-naked man in shriveled skin sits feet up on the kitchen table reading a newspaper. A humanoid robot with a green globe around his head is frying up some bacon and eggs.
1: Like, simultaneously in the same pan. I, I, who programmed this thing to be so good?
0: Uh, who, I, I, I can't figure that out. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I end up with a grease spot when I try stuff like that. True. Uh And then an elderly bearded man appears to be facing through the counter next to the stove. Uh, Abraham greets his housemates. Morning, fellas. Looks like it's going to be a nice day out there. Get your feet off the table, Barbarian. Be quiet and get me some more bacon, or I'll compact you like the tin can you are, walkie.
1: It's almost like barbarians a, uh, a cannibal Because he kind of looks like a Slim Jim Or a, a piece a little of bacon Now the man phasing through the counter uh, He he isn't quite well This is Colonel Weird And he goes Fel ba- Fell past inverted stars and nothingness Good morning Abraham uh, But I was not alone There are many in the infinite Many and none To which Abraham goes <sighs>
0: And then a splash page depicts a long shot of the farmhouse, barn, and water tower. A mountain range and a thick tree line can be seen behind it.
1: Yeah, in the foreground there's a gnarled dead tree and crows hanging around it. And in big type it reads, Welcome to Black Hammer. We got Gale sitting on the roof of the barn right next to the weather vane. Marbelian floats up to the roof and sits next to Gale.
0: Brooding again, Gale? Yep. Wanna join me? Don't mind if I do, I could use a good brood
1: They always say brooding loves company, right?
0: Seems that way Did Abe send you? No, you should know by now that if Abraham wanted me to do something, I'd do the opposite
1: This came really embarrassing when Abe told him to stop chainsawing his legs off
0: I refuse, I simply won't (laughs) But you are going to try to convince me to come tonight, right? Only if you want to. Hell, I don't even know if I'll show up. Really?
1: I'm sure he has positively nothing to wear.
0: Really? Yes, he is a naked alien, it seems. Yes. It's been ten years since we were stranded here. So what should we do? Celebrate or mourn? I'm, if I'm going to a party, I'd least like to know the theme. The real question is, will Mommy Dearest make an appearance? Oh, God, I hope not. Then it really will be a funeral
1: Two of them sit in silence on the rooftop for a few moments uh, Then Gail reminisces about a time before
0: Do you miss it, Barbie? The way it was
1: We hop into a flashback panel Which shows a woman in a red cape flying above a city of tall, pointy skyscrapers
0: Oh, I don't know Sometimes But the way you miss old friends you haven't seen in Uh, years You know that if you went back, it wouldn't be the same as it was I don't actually miss how things were. I was a different person then.
1: Another flashback panel depicts a younger Barbalion who's hacking away at some giant ants with a long sword.
0: I mean, really. The whole thing was kind of silly, wasn't it? Sometimes I wonder if it was real at all, or just some collective dream we all woke up from.
1: At this point, we snap back to the present.
0: No, I don't miss our old life, Gail. What I do miss is the freedom. I miss being able to leave. I miss the rest of the world. I miss having tits.
1: Well, they have a procedure for that now. I sure. can probably give you a brochure.
0: Pretty sure. And as long as you are, I think there's still doctors that would do it. No, right. uh, we, are, we are now, Gail. <laughs> we can't change that. Hell knows we've spent most of the last 10 years trying. Personally,. I always liked you better this, like this, anyway. Gail gives Barbellion a hug. What would I do without you, Barbellion? You'd
1: brood alone. Mm. We hop back inside the barn where Talkie Walkie is working on what looks like a large satellite or maybe an underwater mine. Uh, Talkie Walkie is that breakfast-making robot, incidentally. Right. Uh, we got Colonel Weird phasing into existence. Uh, he's that old guy who was half in, half outside of the kitchen counter earlier on.
0: Girl, weird. I wasn't sure we would see you again today. Of course you see me, Talkie Walkie. I'm right here. That's not what I... Uh, it's just you've been spending more and more time away these past weeks.
1: Yes, well, there's more and more troubles in the power zone. I must be ever vigilant. Are you making yourself a mate,
0: Walkie? A uh, mate? No, Colonel. It's a new probe. I've been working on it for months now. Don't you remember?
1: He doesn't remember, but uh, he says, A probe? Oh,
0: yes, of course! I intend to launch it past the perimeter of the town soon. Just a few more adjustments to the thrusters, and it will be ready. I have a good feeling about this one, Colonel. I think it might finally be the one to make contact. You
1: never give up, do you, Walkie?
0: A flashback panel shows Talkie Walkie and Colonel Weird, his own costume completed by a transparent green dome over his head as well. So they look kind of like twins in a way. Mm. Uh, The two are gripped by the tentacles of a horrible monster and fire laser pistols at it.
1: You were always such a loyal and, and diligent diligent friend.
0: Back to the now, and the Colonel's eyes look really wide and glassy.
1: I I only wish I could be the same for you, but ever since ever since the Parazone, my mind has been well I haven't been myself, have I?
0: Nonsense, Colonel. You'll always be my commanding officer. I, ah, what's this then? Are you building yourself a mate, Walkie? No, I told you, it's... And then Colonel Weird starts to dissipate and fade away as he says his goodbyes to Talkie Walkie.
1: Must be ever vigilant, Talkie Walkie. The Parazone needs me. Inverted stars and hordes of nothing beasts. Can't let them out.
0: Colonel Weird is gone and Talkie Walkie salutes and says, Yes, of course, Colonel. Godspeed to you.
1: Just then, Abraham appears at the barn door in silhouette.
0: Walkie, I'm heading to town to get some groceries. Have you seen Gale and Barbellion? Uh, no, Abraham. But would you mind picking me up some more solder? I'm almost out.
1: (sighs) You're still working on that thing.
0: This thing, Abraham, may be our best chance at rescue, I really wish you'd be more supportive. Well, maybe I don't think we need rescue, Walkie. And Gale and Barbellian come floating down from the barn's roof.
1: Yeah, Barbellian's skin looks fizzy. It's uh, bubbling or something.
0: Something's happening there, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Something yeah. (laughs) Well, I do. You're not the one stuck in the body of a nine-year-old, Abe. Yeah, well, some days I'd be willing to trade. Arthritis is killing me. So Abraham hops into a very beaten up looking yellow pickup truck. I'm going to say a late 1950s model. Early 60s, yeah. the best. I'm no car expert, but it looks like one of them old classics. Uh, Gail and Barbellion are committed to going with Abraham into town. Before leaving, Abe admonishes Talkie Walkie to keep the barn door closed so no one can see the freaky stuff going on within.
1: Yes, yeah, so a barbellion takes on a human form in order to mingle among humans. Uh, he looks like an ugly human, but uh, he's, he's still
0: human. He does look human, I'll uh, give her that, yeah.
1: <laughs> now, as they drive away, Abraham tells Gail to put on her seatbelt, which uh, she doesn't appreciate. Uh, from that craggy tree covered in crows, a spooky, green-skinned lady watches the trio drive off the farm. Now, this would be the mysterious Madame Dragonfly that we heard about a little while ago. And she addresses one of her
0: cawing crows. Shh! <laughs> Calm yourself. They're going to town. I need to concentrate, and I don't need your squawking in my ear.
1: We arrive in town, and Abe parks the car in front of a diner. Uh, We know this because uh, there's a red awning that says diner.
0: Very helpful, that, I gotta say. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like a relatively small town, but it's not nothing at all. There are, like, two- and three-story brick buildings lining a two-lane street. Few cars (laughs) are puttering along on it.
1: Abraham goes, I won't be gone too long. Meet back here in an hour.
0: Fine! Yes, sounds good. Have fun. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing, Abraham. And what he really means is that you should have a miserable time, obviously.
1: (laughs) To which Abraham
0: goes, (sighs) So Abraham enters the diner. A bell above the door jingles as he does.
1: Inside is... A diner, hey. and uh, we, we meet a waitress in a pink uniform who recognizes Abraham.
0: She says, Abraham, slam. What's that grumpy look for? And Abraham grins broadly when he sees the waitress. I don't remember any more, Tammy. That's more like it, Black. Always. Tammy pours Abraham a cup of coffee, and they continue talking. Didn't expect to see you in town today. Well,
1: wasn't planning on it, but uh, then I I got to thinking.
0: Thinking about what? You. That that might have worked in your day, buddy, but this is out uh, the 21st century, so... <laughs> right. But no, Tammy says, you old dog. Sweet talk like that will get you everywhere. We jump elsewhere where
1: a barbellion is shopping for groceries, and then, carrying the bags, he walks past a church. And it looks like they're giving food to the needy. Uh, we got a crowd milling about.
0: Yeah, a young priest in glasses calls over to Barbellion. Hello, care to grab a bite? Oh, uh, I should probably get these to the truck. Well, Keith, why don't you put them down and grab a coffee? Barbellion sets his bags down on a nearby table and says, Well, I guess I could use a pit stop.
1: That's the spirit. I'm Father Quinn. I moved to the parish taking over for Father
0: Drake. The two of them shake hands. Barbellion says, Oh, uh, Mark Marks, I, uh, didn't know Father Drake very well, I'm afraid.
1: Ah, not a church-going man then. Uh, not as much these days. Uh, I've lapsed. Well, you're gonna have to put the coffee back then, I'm afraid.
0: Awkward pause. I'm joking. Ah, okay, good. So, I guess I should make my sales pitch. The boss is always watching, right? Ah, yes But it would be
1: great to see you out of mass No pressure But maybe it's time you gave another shot
0: Well, I hate to disappoint you But I think my church-going days Might be over, Father
1: Never say never The door's always open, Mark Mark, Mark What is that? Eastern European? Uh, it's Swedish Yeah, close, but it not. Uh, like <laughs> no It seems like it's Now, back at the diner Abraham is... Still chatting up Tammy, so I was thinking I'd come by tonight uh, after I finish up at home.
0: Maybe I could come out to the farm for a change. Don't you think it's time I met this family of yours, Abe? Eh? We've been through this, Tammy. My family is um, well, is complicated. And at this, Tammy looks disappointed and also a little bit weary as she's heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> Every family is complicated. I just want to.
1: Then they're interrupted by the bell in the front door ringing, and in walks a massive police
0: officer. This is Sheriff Red Trueheart, to be precise. He's holding Gail by her hood. Slam, we need to talk. What do you want, Red? It's none of your business, Tammy.
1: I found Slam's granddaughter shoplifting cigarettes from the stop-and-go.
0: Get bent, or get bent, Trueheart. Gail, is this true? Awkward pause. Thank you, Sheriff. I'll deal with Gail.
1: If you can't handle her, she wouldn't be shoplifting cigarettes at 9-Slam. But then
0: again, I should know to lower my expectations when it comes to your family. The two men regard each other angrily for a moment.
1: And Tammy breaks the tension.
0: Kids get in trouble all the time, Red. It's hardly a police matter. We both know this isn't about Gail. Oh, really, Tammy? I mean, Then what is it about? We're divorced, Red. What I do is my damn business.
1: Yeah, and who you do, right, Tammy? Though you were never very picky.
0: Watch your mouth, Trueheart. Or what, Slam? What are you gonna do? And then a flashback panel depicts a young Abraham Slam dressed in a skin-tight blue uniform and a cowl. He's punching out some goon with a right cross and back to reality. (sighs) Let's go, Gail. Gail says, shoulda beat his ass, Grandpa.
1: Sheriff True Hunt watches them leave, and uh, boy, does he look cranky? He's
0: really got a screw face on. I'll <laughs> tell you, <laughs> Dean Orbson really has a way of making these people look very cranky. You know, he has a good, yes. good look for a very lined, cranky face. For sure. Uh back at the farmhouse, it's gotten dark outside, and Abraham is washing dishes at the kitchen sink. He glances at the clock and notices the time. <sighs> Abraham walks at the bottom of a flight of stairs and calls up to his housemates. Gail, Barbellion, it's almost eight. There's no answer.
1: Later, Abraham and Talkie Walkie are outside near those blackened, gnarled trees. They're looking at a sledgehammer that's lying on the ground.
0: Abraham, are are the others coming? I don't think so, Walkie. Why don't we give them five minutes before we start? No point, walkie. they've
1: they've had enough. Uh, I don't think
0: then Madame Dragonfly and Colonel Weird show up. Oh, all Colonel Weird ever does is uh, show up in a sense. that's true. He never <laughs> just kind of appears, <laughs> yeah. Madame Dragonfly says, "Am I lit? Colonel Madame Dragonfly. Um no, no, you're not late whereas the others in.
1: Barbellion and Gale come floating in from the farmhouse
0: Right here Let's get a little smirk out of Abraham Hey, in another 9 panel grid, Abraham has a lot to tell us
1: Hmm.
0: Well then, I guess I'll get started
1: I've been thinking about what I was going to say all week uh, This being our tenth anniversary year and all But the truth is, well, the truth is You've all been really
0: pissing me off lately Is it uh, Festivus already? Is that what this is? Right, we're the
1: the airing of grievances (laughs) here. Hell, I know we never wanted to come to the farm, but we made our choices, our sacrifices. This is where we ended up. That's all history now. That's our history, and ours alone. I tried to make this a home for me, for you, but all you do is whine about how we can't leave. And now we're stuck. Well, well, boo-hoo.
0: Boy, I uh, wonder why people don't like showing up to this thing. <laughs> to right? That's great.
1: <laughs> the only thing that can make it worse is if it was like a black tie thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, know, you gotta, I get, gotta dress get dressed up to, to get dressed, up, get dressed down. No
1: right? <laughs> At least we're still alive. We can never forget that. Most of all, we can never forget him. What he gave up for all
0: of us. A panel centers on the sledgehammer, and then a flashback panel shows a silhouette of someone wielding it, and about to smash the hammer down on some big guy dressed in green. Joe Webber was the bravest
1: man I ever met. He never backed down from a fight, no matter what. And he gave his life so he could have this life. We need to remember that. We need to remember that we are still here. It may not be the life we wanted, but it's the life we have. And at least we have it together.
0: Yeah, so quit your dang belly aching.
1: Ah, come on.
0: Help me spread some hay around here. Uh, (laughs) Cut over to a city, a decidedly green-lit city of wild skyscrapers with glass domes on the top of them. The building for the newspaper The Global Planet has a hollow globe spinning on top.
1: Hmm, That's familiar. Uh, Now, a young young reporter is at a newspaper office uh, late finishing up her article, uh, which is meant to commemorate a very special
0: day. Yeah, the article reads, but we'll do it in uh, somewhat of her voice. Ten years. Ten years ago today since they saved Spiral City and disappeared. To most, they don't seem real anymore. Like urban legends, ghost stories. But they were real. I know because I was there.
1: Yeah, so we're a lot of people, but real, no one likes to talk about Woodstock 95, right?
0: Nobody should either, Chris. Yeah, that was yeah, two a more moment. days of peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> I was only 13, but I remember the terror, the fear. It's still there in the air. It's infected the city and never left us.
1: An old, an old front page of the global planet has the headline, Heroes Killed, Saving Spiral City. The subheader reads, Anti-God Destroyed. The accompanying photo looks like a massive explosion taking out a large chunk of a much older-looking spiral city.
0: They stopped him. They defeated the anti-God and saved us all. In the aftermath, their bodies were never found. They were presumed to have been obliterated in the final battle.
1: The next page has four large flashback panels depicting this superhero team's battle against the anti-god. And if uh, if you're not getting an allusion to Crisis on Infinite Earths and the anti-monitor, uh, then let this be the clarification.
0: Yeah, that's the, there's a connection there. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Abraham slam hoists a large boulder over his head, and this is actually the same image from the inside front cover. The next panel shows that he was on a rooftop and threw his boulder onto the anti-god, who is like... 80 times his side and punching another building into bricks. Yep. Uh, a woman in a yellow cape soars overhead.
1: Barbellion lunges at the anti-god with his long sword uh, while Colonel Weird fires his laser pistol into the anti-god's face. And then we see our best shot of the actual Black Hammer so far He leaps onto the Antigod from above Hammer held over his head and ready to strike And he's got a, a green and yellow outfit Kind of like the first costume worn by Daredevil over from Marvel But with the red parts being green
0: Yeah, it's a yellow tunic and like red arms and legs hmm. uh, Lucy continues They were the greatest heroes of a lost age Abraham Slam, the original two-fisted crime buster Golden Gale, America's super-powered sweetheart. Barbalion, the warlord from Mars. And Colonel Weird, the swashbuckling space hero. And my dad, Joseph Weber, the Black Hammer, hero of the streets. There is no story I won't chase down, not when I believe in it. And I tell you this, dear readers of Spiral City, I believe, more than anything, that they are still alive.
1: We hop back to the Global Planet office, and Lucy Webber is looking at a picture of her father on a computer screen, the very same one in the last panel of the previous page.
0: This guess not a lot of uh, file images of these uh, characters. Um, file footage is, yeah. is slim, yeah. I believe they're still out there somewhere, and no matter what, I'm going to find them. To be continued. And also included in this issue something I thought was really cool that you don't you don't see anymore is a uh, pit up in the back of it yep. uh, of the scene on the barn rooftop. This is uh, when Barbalian goes to brood with Gale, and this one's drawn by David Rubin. Rubin. So I like that. I just yeah. like a little so give someone else a shot at these characters, see what they do with it. Uh, so what do you think of this, Chris? This this was your first reading of it.
1: Yes this is brand new to me and uh, you, You've been talking this book up for a little While now and I've always been kind of Hesitant because I thought like the last thing I Needed was another superhero right. universe <laughs> so, you go, yeah. <laughs> But uh damned if I Didn't have a ton of fun with this uh I thought this was a really uh, compelling story. Uh, I, I I had to buy the issue digitally because I couldn't find either the trade or the single issue anywhere around. I, I definitely do want to keep my eyes out for the trade though because this was some fun stuff. Um, it made me uh, it made me remember why I I started digging independent comics because yeah. I've been so. Far, because I mean we we've said this before, but when you do a show and blogs based on comics, it, it kind of becomes work. You don't do it for fun as yeah,
0: much anymore. You as can't work. justify just reading anymore. Yeah.
1: Yes, it has to come with a string. You know, you need to have a uh, you need to have a step two. It's read, then discuss and analyze and all that stuff. But uh, reading this, uh, I think this could be a book I read for fun. <laughs> this could be I, I so. a book that I don't need to I don't need to take apart and analyze and. and Write about, this could just be a fun Book, and uh, I I really Enjoyed the heck out of it.
0: Well, it's interesting I I thought you would like it for the same reasons That I like it, which are the allusions to uh, other comic book things, so familiar with, especially yeah. especially DC, but there's a little little bit of everything. And as you go in, you'll see there's sort of a kind of a uh, you know blurring of all the uh, different lines in comics and the all. Universes, yeah. You know, he plays around with it, so there's that enjoyment. But uh, I am seeing people do seem to dig it on its on face value, and I guess it can also be enjoyed there if you want personal sure. stories about super powered people. I wouldn't say this is the first time that it's been done, but. Uh, taking you know taking versions of these well known characters like Martian Manhunter and uh, you know archetypical yeah elements of super exactly archetypical superheroes uh, it does put kind of a new spin on it where it's like this is what it might be like if uh, you know Martian Manhunter was dealing with this or you know Supergirl sure. was, was dealing with this kind of. Uh, situation. So, I, I really dig that. I, I love the allusion to Crisis and, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that's, in a way, Crisis did wipe everything away when that came before and, uh, in this version, wiped it away and sent it off to the farm. Kind of like what happened to my puppy when I was young, right, Chris? <laughs> I remember that. That's what I was told. <laughs> it, was, it went to a farm and it lived forever and it was fine. So <laughs> Plenty
1: of uh, room to run around.
0: There's all the puppies, that run. was it. They are all so happy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I really dig this, and as you go on, I, I think it's it's it gets more and more rewarding, particularly mm-hmm. for people like us that know a little bit, you know, the origins of it. But sure. uh, it's getting it seems to be getting traction uh, elsewhere. So more power to it. Um, Absolutely. But I, I'm I'm glad you dug it. I'm definitely digging it. And this is one. This is really one of a few comics that I am. Staying on top of recently. But... I was gonna
1: say this is a this is a, an actual current read for you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, you, you, yeah. It's still coming out, so I, I, I pay attention. I wait to see when they come out. So uh, who knows? I don't know if we'll ever come back to it because uh, you know it's kind of brand new and not much to it so far. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, definitely I recommend it. So if you have change in your pocket, swimming around, you know, four dollars or three dollars worth of change. Yep. <laughs> actually, you know what? On the on the, uh, the digital is, I think it was two bucks, wasn't it? I think so. I think, it was I think so.
1: I, I didn't even look at the
0: price <laughs> for the first issue. Well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't more than the cover price, but I think no, they actually no, dropped it by a buck for the fact that I guess now it's you know done and sold. And, so yeah. if you want to dip your toe in, that might be the way to do it. But uh, yeah, let's uh, talk a little more about the man that made it.
1: Yes, uh, we'll wrap him up for now. uh, We had Jeff Lemire, of course. He uh, released a five-issue limited series from Image called Plutona. Plutonia. Plutona. This was co-written by artist Emmy Lennox, and it began in September 2015. Uh, He and Scott Snyder collaborated on a three-part prestige format, A.D. After Death, that was released through Image beginning November 2015. Jump ahead to 2016, Lemire collaborated with musician Gord Downey on Secret Path. That was a graphic novel that accompanied Downey's solo album of the same name. Uh, Gord Downey is a Canadian rock legend, uh, once the lead singer of the Tragically Hip, uh, uh, for Americans, this must might be like uh, working with uh, Michael Stipe of REM or
0: right. something of that <laughs> so, stripe. Somewhat yeah. familiar, but not like hot at the moment. But you know, you, it's, yes, it's a big, it's a big enough deal. To a big note. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, in August of that same year, uh, Lemire did release that second volume of Earth of Teen Titans, Earth One. Uh, He released Royal City through Image Comics that ran 14 issues, cover dated March 2017 through August 2018 This is an ambitious, multi-generational story about a family with skeletons in their closet uh, Lemire would team up with and- Andrea Sorrentino again, this time for the horror comic Gideon Falls. That debuted March 2018 and is currently ongoing, also from Image Comics.
0: That's another one I'm following, by the way. That's pretty good, but hmm. that one's definitely, if you are of a horror bent, bent. that's yes. the one to look at. Uh, in August 2018, publisher Simon, Simon & Schuster released Jeff's original graphic novel Roughneck, which won the Alex Award. In November of that year, it was announced that Jeff Lemire and Keith Giffen would be releasing a take on the Inferior Five through DC Comics, which has not been released or really mentioned again, but we might find out something about it in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff has been a co-storyteller on the Terrifics part of DC Comics' New Age of Heroes, which began in uh, February of 2018. That's that team with Mr. Terrific, Plastic Man, A New Phantom Girl, and Metamorpho. In late 2018, fi.com reported that Black Hammer had been optioned for a television series, and that Jeff Lemire would be intimately involved with the writing and development of the series. Also in various stages of film and television pro- development are Descender, AD After Death, Plutona, The Underwater Welder, Gideon Falls, Essex County, and Sweet Tooth. So... Pretty much everything, folks. I mean, you know, that's really almost everything he's done. (laughs) Uh, In that same SciFi.com article, Lemire said, I reached a point in my life and career a year or two ago where Black Hammer, Gideon Falls, and Descender, and other creator-owned works like Plutona were now my focus and not so much work for higher stuff. I felt more control of what I was doing creatively and satisfied with that. It's awesome once you get there, when you achieve something, but you look for the next challenge, too. Film and television certainly started to be more intriguing to me over the last couple of years, but you know, don't take our word for it. Why don't we uh, take a little pause here and hear from the man himself, Jeff Lemire? Hey, everybody! Uh, We got a great guest here right now. We're talking to Jeff Lemire, the creator, co-creator of Black Hammer, uh, which is the uh, book that we just read. Not too long before this conversation, a couple minutes back, yeah. and uh, you know we want to talk to him about how he came to this uh, interesting concept. But Jeff, first we have a really uh, dumb question that we like to ask uh, people. Sure. This is the most obvious question, <laughs> but we truly find it interesting. Uh, what is what was your first comics moment? And by that I mean it could be the first memorable moment with comic books where yeah, you, you said your
2: this secret origin, right?
0: Yeah, yeah something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Yeah,
2: well, I mean, I feel like uh, the the thing that really caught me um, was probably back in around, I guess, the early 80s. Um, I grew up in a really small town, and, and in back, back in the 80s, as you guys know, especially if you live in a small town, there mm-hmm. were comic shops, so mm-hmm. the only no. comics I really knew or had access to was whatever was on you know a new stand at the grocery store or wherever i was so there was you know i just kind of would get whatever and i i I was always even from a really young age was into comics um probably when i was like four or five i started collecting them and drawing you know trying to copy pictures from them and stuff Mm -hmm. but the ones that I, i feel like were really really hit me was when um in 85 when both crisis and who's who came out from DC uh, at the same time. Uh-huh. And I, it just, I just fell into the, that universe, that DC universe, just seeing the, the scope of it through both those projects and especially those who's who books, because um, unlike a lot of the encyclopedias, other companies have put out since those ones, like they were uh, each entry from the who's who encyclopedias were, new artwork commissioned by different artists so you, you could flip through those and see all these different art styles and yeah, I think it was, sure. it was flipping through those books and just seeing these different characters and all these different styles like you'd have Joe Kubert doing all the war characters and you know Kirby would be in there and see, so, it's when I really I think it really hit me that there were different people drawing these books and they each had their, <laughs> own, their own individual style you know and, and once I started getting into thinking about that that's what really I mean there was no turning back I just kind of fell into it
0: Wow, so so you you were drawn to the uh, language immediately somehow?
2: Yeah, yeah, cosmically. It was,
0: it was, it was, yeah, and just uh, seeing
2: those those different art styles and realizing that comics were like, you know, unlike other and like movies or whatever, comics were so personal. Like the everyone's drawing style was so it's almost like their handwriting, you know, it was uh, sure so unique to each each artist. Uh, you could see their hand on the page, and something about that really connected me to the to the medium and to the artists and. And then of course, just all the incredible characters in the DC universe, and the diversity of characters across that universe, and um, yeah, it really captured my imagination. I was, I was, I guess
0: I was ten when those books came out, so yeah. it was kind of perfect timing. I was nine or ten. Yeah, that's pretty much the best time to grab a child's mind. I, you know, I remember. Yeah who uh, also had the the ability to sort of connect to the past. I remember. I like that a lot. Yeah, like it's sort of. Yeah,
2: because I, I missed a lot. I obviously, I, you know, as a kid from the eighties, I didn't read. I did. I wasn't around for a lot of the Silver Age stuff. And um, but you got all those books were kind of like uh, a way of learning about all that stuff. And then and then you get like the at the grocery store, you could also get those great. Back in the 80s, they had the great digest sized um, oh, yes, repr- reprints so of the blue, all the blue kinds ribbon. ribbon stuff. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I blue loved ribbon it. digest. So then through that, I kind of I was able to read all the great Silver Age Superman stories and you know, all the stuff that wasn't actually uh, in print at the time, but you could kind of go back and just, so yeah, it was like uh, discovering the whole history of comics through those projects, kind of.
0: Back when your eyes were still good enough to read them, right? That's what. <laughs> when I look at them now, I can't make can't make them out at all.
2: I know. Yeah, I, I'm glad they keep making uh,
0: collections bigger and bigger with these overs. <laughs> I think that says a lot for sure. Yeah. Uh, so well, I have to assume you must have drawn your own comics as a kid. There's, there's no question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like
2: always part of it. You can't really separate the two. I would just be. That's pretty much what I spent my childhood just sort of reading and then just trying to copy pictures from. From different comics, you know, and then you know, making your, my own little silly superhero comics and and
0: stuff. And I, I just obviously never stopped doing that. Yeah, that's good. When did you realize that you think you thought you wanted to make it a career?
2: Yeah, well, that you know, I never really thought you could make a career out of comics. You know, I grew up on a farm, when the only people I knew were farmers or factory workers, and everyone in my family or in my immediate sort of sphere were. You know, working class, kind of blue-collar people, mm-hmm. and no one was involved with the arts at all, especially not, you know, as a way of making a living. Um, so growing up, I just, it wasn't really something I even thought was possible, you know? Right. Um, but then when I got older and, and moved, you know, I moved away from home to, to go to college and stuff and kind of um, started exploring the arts more seriously. And even, even then, I didn't really have an entry point into comics, and I didn't really have you know this would this would have been the early 90s or whatever so mm. you know the the internet isn't what it is today so there wasn't that sense of community where you could be like i'm into comics look at all these other people who are right
0: sure, <laughs> you know sure.
2: i didn't i was just on an island so well i love drawing and love telling stories i didn't really have a there was no path to follow you know so i just kind of i floundered around and i uh, i went to film school thinking well you know, I, I know I like telling stories, and I and I like films and comics and stuff, so I kind of studied that, and the more I got into learning about film and stuff like that, the more I just missed drawing, and the more I realized comics were much more suited for my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I graduated film school in the late 90s, um, I kind of just forgot about film altogether and just sort of started drawing really seriously and just trying to learn the craft. And again, back then, I didn't know any other cartoonists or writers or artists so i was just kind of on my own making mistakes and hmm. trial and error just looking at all the comics that i had and trying to figure out how they did what they were doing and, and trying different tools different drawing tools and just trying to find a style you Wow, know? It, I, I did hmm. that for for a lot of years where i would just um i worked at, i worked in restaurants here in toronto just to pay the bills you know and I would work at night, and then I'd just kind of draw all day and make comics, and slowly got better and better until I finally had some stuff that I tried to self-publish, and you know, that kind of, I guess around 2005 or something, I started mm. self-publishing, and then got picked up by Top Shelf to do the uh, the Essex, Essex County Essex graphic County, novels, yeah. and, yep. and you know, it was kind of like one project led to another, as little sort of stepping stones, you know, and then I got into Vertigo with Sweet Tooth, and then from Vertigo, I got into writing for For DC, And, you know, it all kind of just sort of grew as I, as I kind of went, you know, there was no plan. It just sort of, you just went from one project to the other and, uh,
0: things kind of happened the way they happened. Yeah. Take the opportunities as they come, Uh, you know, exactly. make the most of them. It sounds like you built a very solid foundation by coming up that way so that when the time came for opportunities, you were, you were kind of prepared to, uh, deal with them. That's, I find that really interesting that you were like kind of a man unto himself, uh, learning the comics trade but that's uh, one way to do it.
2: Yeah, and sometimes when you're not when you when you don't like now there's so many programs where kids you know younger people can go to school and learn about making comics and stuff like that but back then there wasn't anything like that for me so I kind of just was self-taught and made a lot of mistakes but I think by doing that I kind of developed a pretty unique style that I was then able to sort of translate when I started doing more mainstream work as well. I already kind of had a voice, you know, a style that I could bring to these characters. And so that kind of worked in my favor as well, I think.
0: Wow. Cool.
1: Now, we uh, we were talking about uh, Black Hammer uh, during this episode. And uh, when did you start formulating the concepts for that title?
2: Well, it kind of goes in... In unison with what I was just talking about, were um, probably around 2007, 2008. I had published the Essex County books, um, mm-hmm. and was kind of just trying to look at different projects I could do next, and, um, and just mess around with different ideas. And you know, I always loved, as we kind of were already talking about, it, I always loved superhero comics. And and uh, you know, as a kid, that was sort of my entry into into, into comics was was the DC universe and all this stuff, and. Mm-hmm. At that time, you know, just working with Top Shelf and stuff, and um, my drawing style was so unique and wasn't anything like mainstream comics and superhero comics. So I, I never thought I'd actually get to write, you know, real superhero co- comics for Marvel <laughs> or DC. So, I thought, but I, I loved, I loved the whole history of superhero comics and the different eras, and so I thought, well, maybe it'd be fun for me to do like a really indie version of superheroes where I kind of. Like Essex County, but just with some superheroes, and <laughs> I can kind of in my own unique way just kind of explore the different eras.
0: Heroes of on the farm, right there, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: and, uh, do sort of like the anti superhero comic, superhero comic, you know, my love sure. letter to everything, but really in my you, you know individual style. And so, I started messing around with Black Hammer, and I had the title and a lot of the characters stuff kind of figured out, and um. Uh, I pitched it to Dark Horse back in 2008, um, and they they wanted to do it, but around the exact same time, Vertigo, uh, Greenlit, Sweet Tooth as well, so I had to kind of choose. Gotcha. I I went with Sweet Tooth, and um, Black Hammer just sort of stayed in my sketchbooks for about a decade almost, you know. Um, I I never really let go of the idea, I always loved the characters and the, the idea, and, and then especially as I actually did start working for Marvel and DC and started writing superhero stuff, um, you know, no, no slight to the, the editors or the people at Marvel and DC, but obviously when you're working with their characters, there are certain restrictions and limits, sure. and, yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, you, you know, you do the best you can with all that stuff and, and everything, but I kind of longed to do a superhero comic where I just had no I was just you know I was kind of the boss and I was (laughs) I could do whatever I want with the universe and awesome um so I kind of I kind of went back to Black Hammer and sort of saw it as an opportunity to sort of spread my wings a bit and and I um you know I was drawing a bunch of stuff on my own at that time so I knew I couldn't draw it but Mm -hmm. um I had met Dean Ormston at a few conventions in the UK and um at one point, actually, I had approached him to do some Animal Man stuff at DC with me that never worked out, but huh. we mm-hmm. kind of made a connection that way, and Dean had a real interesting style that was kind of very horror, you know, it, stuff looks like a horror comic. Yeah, and, and yeah, very, drawing very, horror comics
0: a and, and lot of blacks to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like very ink-heavy. Mm-hmm. I really think it works super well in that particular Yeah, movie. and he has a really
2: unique way of drawing
0: just the characters' expressions
2: and their faces, and mm. it's not your typical superhero, you know, look, no. you know? Um, sure. And I knew that if Black Hammer needed to kind of look different from normal superhero comics, or else, it, you know, it, it could just become the thing that is kind of commenting on. So I wanted a style that you wouldn't normally see superheroes drawn with, so Dean seemed like a great choice, and we discussed it, and he really liked it, and... And since I had pitched it to Dark Horse way back when, and they wanted to do it, I kind of went back to them in 2014, oh. and and you know the rest is history. We started doing the the main Black Hammer story, obviously, and and then with the success of that, it opened doors for me to kind of did you already, <laughs> explore all these different
0: did, side stories? Did you have those stories kind of in the cooker when you? Uh... No,
2: I never did. Those were they all kind of came out of out of the main wow. project. You know, I was awesome. Uh, Dean a couple. Dean needed a couple extra months to catch up on schedule. He had some health problems yeah. when we first started working on the book. and um, So I had to do some fill-ins, and um, I didn't want anyone else to draw the main farm story because that was really Dean's thing. So I kind of had to come up with some a fun side story and came up with the Sherlock Frankenstein
0: character oh, I love and it. all that. I, I, I think those are some of my favorite <laughs> stories, really, yeah.
2: Yeah, so it just kind of came out of necessity of uh, originally, but then I, once I did one story like that, I was like, oh, it kind of just, and I could just see this whole universe sort of forming. Now you had, now you and have I a, kind of
0: went nuts. <laughs> a black, black hammer verse. Yeah, I, I just want to yeah. say real quickly that like when I read the first issue, I thought to myself, oh, this must be like something he pitched or to DC and they turned it something like that. But as you read it on, you realize. Oh, there's no way he, you know, he could have ever pitched this to any <laughs> Marvel or DC. They would have been like, "Get the hell out of here!" You know, no, you can't do this to our characters. That's not right. So, uh, I, I find that really interesting. Thanks, Jeff.
2: Yeah, thanks.
1: Now, uh, you know, uh, have you since this is so heavily inspired on the uh, on the on the superheroes of Marvel and DC in a way, did did you hear, have you heard anything from Marvel and DC about this? Uh, did any clap back? Any just and even any nudges?
2: no um no no not at all I, I know that people at both copies are fans of the books so awesome yeah yeah um there's there'll be yeah uh, i wish i could say something but there's <laughs> a really interesting question that will, maybe in a few months we can come back and talk about again all right that's, <laughs> that, that sounds, sounds great <laughs> <But> also, <laughs> there'll be something uh very specific to that we can discuss
1: yeah. very nice <laughs> speaking of the future are there any future volumes of uh quantum age or any other spin-offs that you are able to talk about
2: well let's see what's so right right now we've done quantum uh dr star and sherlock um Trying to think what else. It, so Black Hammer Forty Five. Forty Five. Yeah. Forty Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt Kent is drawing that one. It's sort of, um, yeah, you know, obviously set in World War II, and and it's this African American um, fighter pilot squadron who, um, you know, team up with some of the superheroes and fight Nazis. That one's a lot of fun, and it kind of feels in some of the Golden Age. Um, cool. And then uh, there's there's two other series that we're developing and that are being drawn right now, but we haven't announced yet. So. I, awesome. can,
0: I can't wait for that uh, Black Hammer 45 myself. Yeah, it sounds right up, right up my alley, to be honest with you. Um, I do want to say congratulations on the uh, television and film deal with Legendary for Black Hammer, but also you've got a lot of your independent projects uh, are in, I assume, some stages of... Uh, development I know descender with Dustin yeah. Bryan and uh, death ad with Scott Snyder I it, this is kind of a broad question but what is it like to be recognized in that way I mean I uh, mean are, are you just kind of sitting around you know watching Brady Bunch and then you get a phone call and someone' you <laughs> know this is what happens I don't know it's 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 weird I,
2: I you know for me comics is really the main thing right so I don't feel like um, you need you need film or television. Yeah. stuff to have to feel sure. validated you know for me the comics are the number one sort of priority but then obviously like with anything when these opportunities arise um and if they feel right they're you know if i have time and and everything lines up they're fun to explore as well and if anything you know they'll just help bring more readers back to the books which is great so yeah Absolutely. i mean it's it's cool and it's it's interesting for me someone who's been making comics for professionally now for you know 20 years almost um it's nice to kind of do work on some other stuff too outside of comics so Mm -hmm. i've been working on the adaptations Mm of of black hammer and other things and uh while still doing comics it's it's nice to kind of have a balance in my schedule where i can kind of just think in a different way and kind of approach storytelling in a different way. And then you kind of learn some stuff you can bring back to comics and vice versa. So it's kind of oh, good for sure. keeps you fresh. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's obviously, it's really exciting to have all these film projects. I think I have 10 of my books now in various stages of yeah development and stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully some
0: of the projects work out and come to fruition. It would be, uh, it would be really cool. But I did see on Instagram that you are drawing, a new secret. I'm not going to ask you to reveal it, but <laughs> you're still, you're still doing yet another comic somewhere in there. So that's uh that is not yeah. stopped, obviously.
2: Yeah, no, I'm still writing uh, all the black camera stuff. Right. Obviously that's ongoing. And then uh, descender. Well, we're, descender returns in april as ascender the sequel with dustin wow that'll be ongoing and uh gideon falls and so those are kind of my the books i'm writing and then i'm always sort of drawing something so i i completed one graphic novel that will come out in the this fall which will i think announce really soon and um and i'm
0: started on the next one
2: too so yeah always busy nice.
0: well, <laughs> that is that is great to hear and i think that's uh you know probably what every Comics creator wants to be. We have only one more question. This one is sort of a personal one from Chris <laughs> and myself. Uh, is Inferior Five with Keith Giffen from DC is that still happening? Is that is it's that happening, it? man? Yeah, it's Much is happening? It?
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I uh, I uh, I spoke to
2: Keith actually on uh, like Monday or Tuesday. We had a big conversation. So, yeah, obviously the project was announced a while ago and it's sort of delayed a little bit. And right. you know that's mostly. Um, you know, Keith. Keith's doing a lot of the work himself. He's drawing the whole book, and mm-hmm. um, so it's just kind of on his schedule. It's sort of his passion project, and it's taken a bit longer to to stockpile some issues. We we didn't want to um, put the book out and then have to, you know, delay it right away. Sure. So we wanted sure. instead of instead of rushing it out, we waited and let, and Keith's been been drawing issues. So I think we have about four and a half issues done now. All right. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's a really fun project. It's um you know, the basic concept is uh, it's kind of set in the D C universe of nineteen eighty eight, the mm-hmm. continuity of nineteen eighty eight when Invasion happened, that miniseries Invasion, which Keith sure, okay. obviously was the co creator of. Mm-hmm. So there's this weird meta thing going on where it's uh, set in that world. So all the books that were being published by DC and in nineteen eighty eight are kind of the the universe we're playing with and um, it takes place right after invasion and mm. follows this group of kids in this kind of strange small town in Arizona with a lot of crazy giffiny stuff going on and um, obviously bigger secrets underneath it all. And, and so I'm, I'm plotting it with Keith, he's drawing it and then I'm doing uh, five page backups featuring the character, the peacemaker, yeah. which I'm writing, writing and drawing. And then those, those backup stories kind of tie into the, the, main story. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Keith was, uh, one of my heroes growing up, obviously as a kid of the eighties, he was, he was the man at DC in oh, the eighties sure. and nineties. And, um, <laughs> he was really my favorite creator. His drawing his art style, especially was really influential on me. And, uh, so it's very surreal to now be collaborating with your hero, you know, and but not just collaborating, but then going back and doing stories set in the in those comics I was
0: reading as a kid. You know? so <laughs> that's, that's it's it. very
1: weird. that's the dream. Yeah.
0: The next <laughs> step is fun. you call them up and tell them off. That'll be when you know you really are. <laughs> well, I do that
1: all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Uh,
0: that's I gotta say, Inferior Five sounds even better than I'd anticipated. I, I can't wait yeah. for this. Uh, I guess. 'll come it'll be here when it when it gets here and, yeah uh, I,
2: I, I think uh, there's nothing official yet but I had heard they're looking maybe around the summer time for for a release but I don't know if that's in stone yet so okay. if, if that's the case I would think there'll be an announcement soonish about schedule and stuff
1: all right as long as we know it's still coming we're good it
2: that's, is yeah, I still, <laughs> I can, something to live takes for a little longer than, <laughs> a little longer than we hope but it's coming
0: uh awesome. well listen jeff uh we want to thank you a lot for giving us some time and giving us some background on uh yourself and black hammer um we really i i enjoy the book tremendously and, and chris is enjoying it now uh mm-hmm. so you know i i can't be happier to hear that other people are uh, enjoying it appreciating it and bringing it to other medium and uh
1: and there's more to come.
0: And there's and there's yeah. even more comics sure. to come. I, I, that I really I'm just uh, the Black Camera verse is great. I can't wait for the toys. That'll be the next thing I hope. Right? Is that <laughs> yeah. coming? Yeah. <Thank> you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somewhere down the line. But anyway, uh, thanks a lot for uh, okay. giving us the time, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Take care. All right, we are back, and uh, thanks so much to Jeff Lemire for lending us his time and his thoughts. Absolutely. The uh, spinoffs to Black Hammer are great. I'm really looking forward to that Black Hammer 45, personally. Uh, here's mm-hmm. the facts about all the spin-offs to Black Hammer that we know about so far.
1: Yes, the Black Hammer-verse. Now, the success of Black Hammer has led to several spinoffs that flesh out the world that this comic series inhabits. We've got Sherlock Frankenstein that ran four issues, October 2017 through January 2018, cover dates, art by David Rubin. Black Hammer's daughter and investigative reporter, Lucy Webber, talks with her father's old nemesis, Sherlock Frankenstein, for clues to his whereabouts, and learns that Frankenstein's relationship with her dad was not as antagonistic as publicly perceived.
0: Although he does have an awesome villain name, right? Sherlock Frank. Absolutely. Something about that. Yeah. Just like obviously perfect. There was uh, Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. This was also four issues, March through, March through June 2018 cover dates. Art by Max Fiamara and Dave Stewart. And this is really just a take on DC Comics Starman, uh, more about the human price that's paid for an Earth born superhero dealing with outer space problems.
1: Mm. Now the recently ended uh, The Quantum Age the ran six issues July 2018 through January 2019 cover dates Art by Wilfredo Torres and Dave Stewart This is about uh, heroes in the 31st century Who were inspired by the original Black Hammer team Which might sound uh, a little... Uh, Recognizable, right?
0: Yeah, a little bit. It's very legiony, yeah, but it's it's cool. <laughs> me. it. was all right. Um, you know that that's. It's funny as we go along, we're getting deeper and deeper. Like this is how, how deep do you want to be in the Black Hammerverse? I think this might be, a, <laughs> sure. a level too deep for for Chris to uh, adopt. But uh, <laughs> you know, there's just just the, the the surface level is fine. And then, of course, as Jeff mentioned in the interview, uh, Black Hammer 45. uh, Sci-Fi Wire announced this in December 2018, co-written by Ray Fox, with art by Matt and Charlene Kint, a four-issue series slated to begin production in March 2018. Publication, sorry, so it should be coming up pretty soon. Uh, And Jeff's confirmed that this would be the Golden Age Adventures of the Black Hammer team, so that is something I'm looking forward to seeing.
1: Yep, and then the mainline Black Hammer itself Has a second volume, which is called Age of Doom And that began publication in April 2018 And is currently on its seventh issue uh, Rich Tommaso has picked up Penciling Duties As of issue number six
0: Yeah, I didn't see any uh, reason for that But maybe there is no reason you know, Maybe Maybe, maybe uh, Dean Orton was like, I need a break, that's all So Could be <laughs> uh, Sometimes it's just as simple as that So, uh Yeah, that that was it. That was Black Hammer, number one, which is a rare time that we're doing a comic that was out in like the last couple of years. I was going to say, this side of 2000, yeah. I know, but it does happen sometimes. I know, usually this century is a tough one, but uh, (laughs) it happens. It happens sometimes, folks. So uh, if you have a comic you'd like to recommend that is at least a year old from the day that you're recommending it, (laughs) or if you want to talk to us about Black Hammer, or if you want to Uh, Wonder why we didn't ask Jeff Lemire Some very uh, important questions uh, And spent too much time Talking about the Inferior 5 project Then you can (laughs) write to us at History at gmail.com And we do have a Patreon if you like what we're doing And you want to hear some exclusive shows We have three exclusive shows a month There's two episodes of Comics Talk Where Chris and I just kind of Riff on comics issues and things about comics in a very informal way And then there's Cosmic Treadmill After Dark Which is the adults only Cosmic Treadmill mm-hmm. You can head over to Patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie
1: You can follow us on Facebook Facebook.com slash Cosmic t History You can hop over to Instagram and follow us there at Cosmic T-Mill
0: Same thing on Twitter, it's at Cosmic T-Mill And I'm on Twitter at Reggie. Reggie.
1: I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out weekly writings on newer DC Comics over at weirdsignsdccomics.com Also uh, Reggie's retro reviews and uh, we're also on that show a little bit. That's
0: right. (laughs) For for a little sliver of time on there, we do our (laughs) uh, Sandman Universe reviews every week now, so that's uh, over there, and you see Chris's personal blog at com, where he reviews a different DC comic every single day of the week. It can come from any point in DC's history. Uh, in fact, for the first time you did, or not for the first time, but you did a, a rare New 52 book uh, just I did. today. So it really can come from any any point, folks. You go check it out. He uh, breaks it down, shows panels Ads has some great uh, commentary. Check it out. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com.
1: Just about on our three year anniversary, which uh, will probably uh, end with a, a change. Uh oh. <laughs> Coming soon. Uh, You can check out the show site, uh, weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, where you can find all of our show notes, all of our episodes, all of our links, a chronological listing of all of our programming, so you can listen to the episodes in the order in which they're intended, so you can get all of our references and uh, all that good stuff.
0: Yep, that is the place to go If you want to uh, go to the archives And while you're there, if your nips are feeling chilly And you want to get yourself a t-shirt Click the banner for 80stees.com If you like what they have you want to pick up some t-shirts Do so at that time And help you out, help them out, help us out Everyone gets helped Win, 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 win Absolutely
1: And uh, before we go we definitely want to give a big 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 thanks to Jeff Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Jeff Lemire And uh, he's also got a blog that could probably use an update Over at jefflemire.blogspot.com
0: Yeah I thought he had a uh, a mailing list But I couldn't find the information for it So that might Mm. have been a fantasy that I had And if he did have a mailing list He has not sent out a mailing on it for a long time. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that'll wrap up this episode. I I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nah, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill in the Parazone. See ya. Out of the ruins Out
1: from the wreckage
2: Can't make the sign
0: mistake this time we are the chair.